0: Today on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, after a slight detour, we are once again trucking through the territories, and we're back in the States, ready to break down Detroit's big-time wrestling from the year 1978. And Mike, I might as well just stay in Detroit, because I'm going to Grand Rapids on Saturday. I'll drop you off, and off you go. Plus, you're a promo about nothing and so much more, but first, tell him, George... I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. (laughs) wrestling fans there are millions and millions of podcasts out there but there's nothing like this one do you ever just get down on your knees and thank god that you know me and have access to my dimension this is the wrestling podcast about nothing nothing Nothing. welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 158 a production of crackpot podcasts my name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended haste from the ring, and joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now he is a contracted
1: Ring of Honor wrestler. He
0: is Mr. Inside Edition. He is one half of the bouncers. He is the stir-crazy Brian the Brawler Malonis.
1: Hey, what's going on, Mike?
0: How you living these days? It's been a few weeks since you've been out there on the road.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I don't really know quite how to interact with my family anymore on the weekends. So there's that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you <laughs> head out to shows you're not booked on.
1: Yeah. Oh, just to visit friends, you know, go support our our friends like you know you used to and and don't any longer. <laughs> oh man.
0: So how was the chaotic wrestling show this past Friday night that you uh, dropped in
1: on? Everything that I saw was was very good. So you saw all of it. Uh, you know, saw some of it. <laughs> Bits and pieces, as they say. Yeah, you know, I was catching up with people in and out. Uh, did see a few matches as I uh, watched the entire retro AG versus Elia Markopoulos. Two, two youngsters that, you know, I feel like uh, I've had a role, some sort of role in their, in their development.
0: Right, and Anthony Green uh, recently revealed he is signed
1: to Evolve. Well, he's dead to me now, so because oh, <laughs> it's the competition, right? <laughs> there is no competition, Mike.
0: It's evolve all the way.
1: Oh, you piece of shit! <laughs>
0: yeah, he's one of the guys we talked about that was going to be signed somewhere this year, and what do you know, Kingpin? We were right. right. Yes, of I was right. So yes, congratulations to Anthony Green. And uh, did the Honeys get contracts as well?
1: Uh, I don't believe so. I believe it's just uh, AG. So. Maybe the honeys will need, uh, you know, a new charge.
0: Uh, are you putting your name out there? Nah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah? Perhaps. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh... I
1: like butt cheeks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who doesn't, fry Brian? But, who doesn't? Butt cheeks in the morning. <laughs> mm, nothing wrong with
1: that. Uh, you know, for people who are confused and don't know who uh, Anthony Green is or don't know what we're talking about when we say the honeys and butt cheeks, just uh, give yourself a little search and enjoy the view.
0: Anthony Green and the Platinum Honeys. Yes, uh, quite an act, and congratulations once again. Wait, to an act? Did you say act or ass? Uh, no, I said act, A-C-T. Oh, okay.
1: I mean, both are appropriate.
0: It is appropriate, and Brian, it's survey time.
1: Hey, yo. <laughs> no, you you, you <laughs> hey, do that yo. way better than I do.
0: I I do. We did a bit on that a while back. But,
1: uh, Why don't you hit us, hit us with it, Mike? Hit us with it. We're dying over here.
0: <laughs> hey, yo. There we go. So, uh, since the new year, we've kind of been experimenting a bit with the wrestling podcast about nothing, tightening things up, sticking to a monthly schedule for the most part. Uh, and we really want to know what everyone out there thinks that's listening. So we put together a survey. Yes. An actual survey. And we would really, truly appreciate if you leave us your honest feedback on the podcast. It's completely anonymous, so let us have it. Be honest. Our goal is to always produce the kind of show that you need to listen to every Monday. So to make sure we're doing that, we need your help. Go to tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey and take our short uh, questionnaire about your listening habits and much more about the wrestling podcast about nothing and we'll take that feedback and we'll apply it to the podcast in the future so we give you the podcast that you want
1: all right you know just 45 minutes of your time that's all we're really looking for you know to take the survey
0: No, no no it's like four quick pages you could probably do it in five minutes
1: i know i shouldn't joke you're gonna get very upset and probably edit it out anyways (laughs)
0: Yes. So all you got to do, just go once again, tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey. Take our short survey. You don't have to leave your email or anything completely anonymous. Let us know what you think of the wrestling podcast about nothing and what we could do better in the future. And Brian, people can really support you by going to brianmalonis.com.
1: They sure can, yeah. Uh, BrianMillows.com, some great t-shirts up there. I realized this week that I haven't put up a new design in quite some time. So, uh, you know, we'll get get a new one up there if I can ever get a freaking artist to, uh, you know, what is it about, uh, like, graphic designers, Mike, and gear makers and things like that that makes you, you know, go silent when people are trying to give you their business?
0: Well, Brian, it's very difficult to be a creative person. You don't know this. But to be a creative person, it takes it takes a lot out of you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you do the same shit ignoring text messages and stuff. So I, I figure it's like something in your community that, uh, you know.
0: Yeah. You need to recharge. You need to refocus. You just need to take a break sometimes. And, uh, you know, don't breathe down on your neck so much.
1: Well, you know, word of advice to anybody out there actually trying to make some damn money doing, you know, whatever, doing art stuff, making gear, respond to people when they're trying to give you their business because maybe you're a little bit busy now, but uh, when you need the business, I'm not going to come back to you because you're a pain in the ass to deal with. Well, Brian, I think I did
0: see that there's something in the pipeline, right, for Brian Malonis in terms of wrestling t-shirts?
1: Well, that's with, well. Oh, yeah, you're talking about uh, the official Ring of Honor T-shirts.
0: Oh, those are official ROH shirts that I yeah. sneak oh, to yes. peek at.
1: Yes, yes, there are there are a couple new uh, bouncers designs in in the works, being finalized as we speak. Uh, Mike has laid eyes on them. They they are wonderful. Mike, are they not? They're pretty sweet. Will you be ordering one? Well,
0: um, I gotta check my. <laughs>
1: Would you wear one if I got one for you for free? <laughs> well, possibly. Quite possibly. <laughs> what you do put you it that Three, way. What are you wearing? 3XL these days?
0: Brian, come on now, <laughs> two.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple of uh, couple of uh, new Bouncers t-shirts uh, coming very soon. Probably uh, will be up this week at ROHwrestlings.com's uh, Pro Shop and uh, some other things uh, in the pipeline, too, uh, coming for official Bouncers merchandise from uh, Ring of Honor Wrestling. So very exciting times.
0: So, yeah, support the bouncer at ROHwrestling.com. Also support Brian himself. What are you,
1: what are you Pat Patterson, the bouncer?
0: <laughs> Did I say the bouncer? You said the bouncer. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going banana over here.
1: Mike, you know there's two bouncer.
0: There, there are two bouncer. Uh, BrianMalones.com is how you support the cake pin directly. Uh, four different t-shirt designs and probably more to come if you can get a artist to text him back. So uh, the WPAN.com, that is the WPAN.com, our official website for the wrestling podcast about nothing. You can find all the ways to subscribe to the wrestling podcast about nothing there, all the different podcast platforms, including Spotify, plus see our social media links. We are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms. And then there's photos, and then there's bios, so much over there at the WPAN.com. So go and check that out. Brian. Yes.
1: Are you there? I'm. I'm here. I, I, usually, you say my name very, uh, you know, very aggressively like that, and then you go into something.
0: I'm going into something right now, Brian. We are back, trucking for, for, through the territories. We took a month off. Uh, April's a bit of a clusterfuck, so you, got, you we got, did not. You got
1: in trouble for all the traveling we've been doing.
0: That that did not happen. But we ended up. Uh, not trucking through the territories last month, but we are back on track. And Brian, we are out of Canada.
1: Oh, I'm so disappointed. I, uh, you know, I truly love Canada and appreciate the uh, the people of that kind of beautiful country.
0: That's not what you were saying before. You were saying, "When the hell are we getting back to the United States?" What are you talking about? People can go back and listen to it, Brian. You're very anti-Canadian. You're
1: very. What's the new fancy word for that? Is that xenophobic? Is that the new fancy word that? Uh Every every dum dum has discovered over the last couple years. That's kind of an old word, Brian.
0: Well, you know, but, but they're bringing a, it back. It's <laughs> not yeah, it's
1: not a new word. It's just one that uh, commoners, uh, peons have discovered, I guess, and decided like that's a that's a big word. I want to use that word. Okay. Well, uh, oh, you want to use it or they want to use it? I don't want to use it.
0: Oh, okay. So we will just call you anti Canadian,
1: Brian. I'm not anti. I love Canada. I <laughs> love Canada
0: <laughs> and sponge cake. that too all right brian well we are back in the u.s we are in detroit michigan very nearby to apparently where you're wrestling if we heard at the top of the show
1: yes yes very very nearby i think
0: so we watched some big time wrestling brian not to confuse anybody it is not the big time wrestling that operates out of the northeast that you've worked for a few occasions brian the one that wanted you to be the playboy and you turned
1: them down last minute It's also not the one out of California.
0: No, there's another one out of California in the Bay Area. Uh, They ran shows in the 60s and 70s, and I think they have a revival that's actually still going on now. It's not that big-time wrestling. It's not 50th State big-time wrestling out of Honolulu, Hawaii. It's not NWA All-Star Wrestling, which was originally known as big-time wrestling. That was in British Columbia, Canada.
1: So what you're saying, Mike, is big-time wrestling is not uh, exactly an original name for a promotion.
0: No, it is not. Uh, you wouldn't let me get through the rest of these. There's three more, sorry, but anyway. I'm sorry, keep going. No, it's please. okay. I guess they got the point. You got the point anyway. But uh, yes, it is the Big Time Wrestling out of Detroit, Michigan, sometimes known as NWA Detroit. And this at this time, in 1978 is where we're headed, October of 1978. That is the episode that we watched of Big Time Wrestling out of Detroit. And it was purchased in 1964 by Ed... Farhat, also known as the Sheik, the original Sheik, formed Worldwide Sports to promote uh, big-time wrestling in the Detroit area. They ran the Kobo Arena weekly for house shows. And of course, if you know anything about the Sheik and his style of wrestling, he helped usher in a more hardcore style of wrestling in this time period. 20 years before his nephew, the Sheik's nephew, Sabu, kind of pushed it to the forefront nationally with ECW. But the Sheik, back in the 70s in big time wrestling, was kind of uh, a lot of people give credit as like the origination of hardcore wrestling.
1: Well, thank, thank God for that because, you know, I'm a big fan of hardcore deathmatch wrestling.
0: Yes, aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> net negative, Brian. Net negative on the <laughs> yes. business.
1: <laughs> yes, ECW is a net negative on the pro wrestling business. Mike, where are you feel?
0: Thank you very much. Uh, so the promotion at this time was taking a bit of a dip and audiences kind of dwindled. They had actually moved out of the Kobo Arena and moved to smaller venues, and they closed up only a couple years later in 1980, but we are headed to October of 1978 for professional big-time wrestling, as they tend to say on this program, and we start out with something that you often saw in this time period on regional wrestling. I know Memphis did this for one, but the shot of the statue of the two guys wrestling. You see this a lot in these territorial promotions.
1: Is it the same, same statue?
0: I think so. This statue, I believe, is called The Wrestlers. It's a Roman marble sculpture that is currently in Florence, Italy. And the sculpture has been attributed to many different people, actually. They don't really know exactly who sculpted it. It could have been Myron. It could have been Cephistatidis. Or Heliodorus. All those guys could have sculpted it, but it's a sculpture.
1: Is it statue or statute, Mike?
0: <laughs> it is a statute of limitations, I believe. I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a sculpture of limitations. Um So yes, this statue, you see it every so often, but here it is opening up big time wrestling. The music sounds a bit 70s, but it sounds like almost it's done by the Detroit Central High School marching band. (laughs) And we hear this music a lot and we'll kind of get sick of it by the end of the show. Anyway, Kingpin, we open up on the announce desk and let's just set the scene. First, we have, yes. we have we have Chuck Callan, who is the main host of the show. He's a dark-haired fella, and he is in a burgundy velour tux.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, it is it is quite lovely, uh, almost smoking jacket esque.
0: Yes, I mean people say you're dressed to the nines. He's dressed at least to the tens.
1: <laughs> well, why wouldn't he be when the setting he's in?
0: yes and he kind of got like a ruffled pirate shirt underneath uh, <laughs> i don't so want to be a pirate <laughs> who does who does want to be a pirate at this point brian and he kind of looks a bit like captain kangaroo if i'm really being
1: honest i don't remember what captain kangaroo looks like you don't
0: okay it's no, maybe a little sorry
1: buddy <laughs> past your time neither does anybody in our audience <laughs>
0: i think at this time 78 i was watching captain kangaroo and he took inspiration i think from the good
1: captain i wasn't even a twinkle in my dad's eye as they say mike
0: Okay, just take my word for it. Captain Kangaroo. So he is joined, Chuck Callan is, by Terry Sullivan, who has lighter hair, a softer mustache, and he is in just any simple blue suit. I guess he didn't get the memo that this is a really highfalutin operation and to dress your best.
1: You're, uh, you're a big fan of the soft mustache?
0: Who isn't at this point? <laughs> who isn't? But they aren't really the story, Brian. It's the no, fact no, no, they're not. that these two guys, these announcers, are doing what? Where are they, Brian? Uh, they're
1: inside the confines of a steel cage.
0: Yes. <laughs> the announcers, the announce desk, is enclosed
1: in a steel goddamn cage. And it's, it, Mike, it's a brand new steel cage. Yes, it is reinforced and And
0: just so people know, it's not the fence. It's not the standard steel cage structure. It looks more like they're behind bars,
1: yeah. it's almost like the it's almost like a like a similar to like the old big blue uh, wWF cage, but you know, not as like like similar design, I guess, but not not so much in like color, I guess,
0: yeah. It almost looks like the do you remember the Punjabi prison match?
1: Yes, it's exactly what it looks
0: like. It, it's not bamboo. It's like, uh, you know, just yeah. uh, gray-colored bars. And the gaps are kind of wide enough where a more slight gentleman could just kind of squeeze right through, I think.
1: <laughs> you in your younger days?
0: <laughs> Perhaps. We'll get into it a little bit later, but the cage... Seems a little flimsy, but they really talk it up as, like, the next thing. No one's getting through this cage.
1: Mike, this is the most sturdy cage you've ever seen in your life.
0: (laughs) We'll talk about that a little later, Brian. Uh, Well, anyway, we talked about that there was another big time in San Francisco at this time. And, well, Terry Sullivan talks about how he was just in California, and he tries to say... That it confirmed for him that Detroit is the wrestling capital of the world, but Chuck just kind of barrels over his point. Maybe he's being told in his ear, which I don't think people are really being told in the ear much these days, that they have to get to the ring. But Chuck just kinda of like he doesn't even get to finish saying that Detroit is the wrestling capital of the world. And Chuck's like, All right, all right, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut
1: up. <laughs> Well, the matches matches ready to go. Oh. The matches
0: are in the ring, ready to go, apparently. He says, We'll find out why they're in a the fucking cage a little later. But let's go to the ring. And our opening matchup on big time wrestling in October of nineteen seventy-eight. From Germany, Eddie Dice is in the ring.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny, he like he almost said something else and then corrected himself and said Germany. And then I was expecting some very like stereotypical like you know Otto something or von
0: schmidt or yeah
1: yeah yeah it's like eddie dice from germany (laughs) no
0: dice on that one king of of,
1: of the of the uh you know german dice
0: (laughs) so the german (laughs) dices uh his opponent is austin idol a name probably familiar to a lot of people in regional wrestling actually he is one of the favorite wrestlers of adult mark
1: yeah, I think that's where I probably know him from best is is Adult Mark talking about him. Uh, but I, I, I dare I say this is probably the first Austin Idol match I've ever seen. It might be for
0: me as well. So Austin Idol removes his robe to reveal his rib
1: cage. <laughs> Very impressive physique uh, on Austin Idol.
0: Yeah, and I don't understand why he had to like suck at his gut when he takes off the the robe. I mean, he's not like a fat guy. He's, you know, he's got some size to him, but I don't understand sucking in his gut because unless he sucks it in for the whole match, then what's the point? And he doesn't. And he looks just fine. So when he takes out the robe and he's like, (laughs) there he is in all of his glory. And then he's like, right before the match starts.
1: He's uh, he's very Billy Graham-esque, I, I would say.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the prototype, I would say. But yeah, Idol is tan. He's got the platinum blonde hair that almost looks like a wig.
1: You know how he got that physique, right?
0: How did he get that physique?
1: Lifted weights every other day.
0: <laughs> that is
1: true. They do They do. You know mention, how I know that? <laughs> yes,
0: because the announcers did their job and told you that he lifted weights- Every other day,
1: yeah, and then I forget what the other what the other exercises he does. In-
0: isometrics,
1: they isometrics, right? And, and on the off days from the weights, so good for him. Good job, Austin Idol.
0: <laughs> good job, Austin Idol. It's paying off, kid. It's paying off. No, let's uh, talk. You don't
1: get looking like that standing on the street corner waiting for the bus, Mike.
0: Well, how do you look like uh, Eddie Dice, Brian?
1: <laughs> standing on the street corner waiting for the bus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like a guy who used to lift weights but is now. Like a dad and uh, staying at home a lot. He's kind of like a, a 1970s Scotty Slate, if you will.
1: How, how fucking awkward is this beginning of this match, by the way? <laughs> like, yes. Visibly, uh, mean, uh, like if we, if we, we didn't watch this together this time, watch it right. separately. But if you were with me, you would have seen me like I was getting physically uncomfortable with how awkward the start of the match was.
0: Yeah, you know how your trainer Mike Hollow would say, you know, you could tell everything from a lockup? <laughs>
1: yes.
0: I saw this and I was like, "Oh boy, we're in for something."
1: (laughs) Then there was like that weird, like, like forearm exchange where then they both start bitching at the ref about about the forearms.
0: Yeah, it it just yeah, they couldn't lock up, so then they decided, or maybe they called it beforehand, but the that Eddie Dice is going to avoid lockups, and they'll start that way. A little awkward because Eddie Dice is the babyface in this match, and. He's like avoiding lockups and kind of being dickish, so it kind of didn't didn't wash for me.
1: He's a shooter. He's a shooter, Mike.
0: I, <laughs> I didn't know that, but thanks for letting me know. <laughs> so Idle then catches him in a headlock. Eddie attempts to shoot him off, but Idle hangs onto the hair. And he's got him in an overhead hammerlock from there. And he's got the hair. But when the ref goes back and checks on the hair, he chokes him from the front. It's kind of perfectly done using the referee's blind side to make Idol look crafty and to make the ref not look like a complete uh, fucking dunce. Oh, so I, I had I really a, I had a
1: fucking note here. Cheating Uh-oh. behind the ref's back. Crockett is going to love this. That's literally the note <laughs> in my phone.
0: <laughs> it's perfectly done, though. I mean, it puts the heat on the wrestler, not the referee. Whether, if the referee catches it, we actually go to something soon after that where Austin Idol takes the guy down by the hair into a headlock and the referee says, no, cut the shit out. It actually goes to the fans. By the way, we meant we didn't mention this is a tv studio setting a lot like the tv wrestling uh in those days but the fans there were getting on the referee saying look he, he pulled his hair he's doing all this cheating and the referee goes to them he's like what he's cheating and then he's down on the mat idle Idol is with the headlock and he calls for a break and he, he cites the fans as the reason that he's calling for the break it's pretty uh amazing
1: now and now i know why you uh You chose this. uh, Put so much uh, emphasis on the referee. Congratulations, Mike. you finally done it. You finally found something where the ref makes himself important.
0: Oh, my goodness. The the referee's being used well here. Al Bulldog Thomas, by the way, is the referee's name.
1: Of course you know his name.
0: (laughs) So, Idle continues to take shortcuts with a jab to the throat and a chin lock where he's using the ropes for leverage. Idle goes for a big body slam and it was so big. Apparently, it messed with the color settings on the camera because all of a sudden the the color was
1: off. Well, they they thought everybody was watching in black and white anyway, so
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, they had to indicate the uh, this robe that Ostendel is wearing is purple with pink on the inside. For those of you with black and white televisions,
1: <laughs> that's a little thing in '78.
0: I think so. I remember having a black and white TV in the house. Like, it wasn't our main TV, but there was like a TV in the kitchen that we had, and it was black and white.
1: You're literally so goddamn old you had black and white TV. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus.
0: Come on now. So, after the body slam, Austin Idol hits a knee drop. Idol goes for the pin, but gets off him before three, which the announcers are beside themselves about. He doesn't want to finish him off that way, Brian.
1: No, 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 no! He's toying with his uh, food at this point.
0: He sends him out the ropes, big clothesline by Austin Idol, but no, Brian, he can't finish him that way either.
1: No, you get to hit your finish.
0: <laughs> and what a finish it is, Brian! <laughs> Instead, Austin goes down to the mat, picks up the fella onto his ass, and delivers his dreaded submission hold, Brian. The <laughs>
1: Well, have you, ever, have you ever gotten a noogie, Mike? Uh, I'm going to guess you have.
0: No, I was the older sibling. I, w- I was uh, doling out the noogies.
1: You're trying to tell me you weren't getting noogies in school, getting stuffed in lockers?
0: Yes, I'm trying to tell you that. Am I succeeding? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, yes, the noogie is Austin Idol's finish, and he gets the submission on Eddie Dice. Unbelievable. From Germany. From Germany, so Chuck Callan, the announcer, wants to get a word from Idol after his match. But as we said, the announcers are in a fucking cage.
1: Yeah, what a camera view on this. Uh, not, not, you know there was, you know we described the cage, and there is big enough gaps in the cage where you could do a promo and get like a decent shot of the promo. But instead, they kind of go like, what, the the announcers in the cage, sort of, and Austin Idol sort of out of the cage, and they're both of them are distorted by the, the side of the cage in the, the camera view. Just really well done here.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, the cage is the door on the side, and so Austin came all the way over to the side of the cage, and the door was opened, and he's kind of, yeah, so he's kind of half obscured by what's going on with the side of the cage. Austin Idol finally gets over there. They set themselves, and he literally doesn't get out a full sentence before Chucky Boy, let's call him Chuck, cut off Callen interrupts him and throws to break as Austin Idol is telling everyone to call their girlfriends and tell them he's on TV. So
1: live by the, there was a few of those instances where like is it like is this live or, or you think this was tape? I think
0: most wrestling these days, especially the TV studio wrestling, was live. I think
1: interesting.
0: We go to commercial break, get Austin Idol out of here. He doesn't even get to talk. And we go to Danny Fargo versus, from New York City, it's Mark Lewin. He gets the big announcement from Chuck Callen. And for some reason, I didn't know who was who because when Danny Fargo is announced, the guy who we find out is Mark Lewin raises his arms.
1: I didn't pick up on that. I, I guess I just, the introduction of Mark Lewin, I just assumed he was the, the better looking, better in shape guy.
0: Yeah, that's what I did too. But it kind of threw me off because this is like a short, chubby blonde guy and a tall guy in good shape. I'm like, oh, that has to be the Mark Lewin that, you know, I've heard the name Mark Lewin over the years. I just didn't understand it. This match didn't even get underway though. Well, you're not, uh, you're before, not very
1: bright. so I,
0: I'm not. So while I'm trying to figure this out, Terry Funk makes his way to the announce desk. Yes, Terry Funk. And before the match even starts, he's talking into the microphone, and it's not working.
1: <laughs> the first of like three different times this happens in the course of the show.
0: The uh, director is like, you know, you got to give the mic some juice, and he fails to a number of times.
1: They didn't know Terry Funk was coming out there. They weren't prepared.
0: <laughs> I guess not. I guess you're correct. You know what? <laughs> in
1: this day and age, that's probably that's probably a factual statement. Yeah, that's, this yeah. Enti- the entire the entirety of this show is the first time I've ever believed that baby Faces and heels might have been separated and didn't see each other till they got in the ring. <laughs> like that's like I after watching all the matches on this show, like I, I genuinely believe that for the Detroit territory.
0: And none of them talked to the announcers beforehand.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's a shoot, brother.
0: Yeah, so Terry Funk is down at ringside with the microphone and finally starts to work, and he's calling out Mark Lewin. And he says that Lewin said that the only people that like Detroit are people that are colorblind. So,
1: I don't really know what that means.
0: (laughs) I I think it's some sort of a racial statement. But anyway, he also says that Mark Lewin stranded his brother, so he wants to have a match with Mark Lewin right here, right now.
1: By the way, was Terry Funk, like always a middle-aged man <laughs> like
0: this he, 70- he always sounds like terry funk right
1: Th- yeah this is 78 and he's you know he looks like he's 50
0: oh no he looks a little younger than that i thought he looked a little bit spry
1: all right he looks 47
0: <laughs> his hair is shorter anyway
1: that's about it
0: so before we get into this brian this is 1978 right and there is a woman with a platinum blonde bouffant hairdo In the front row that is straight out of the 60s. Did you see this woman?
1: I don't know what a fucking bouffant is.
0: It's like almost like a a beehive hairdo, almost like Marge Simpson.
1: She she didn't stand out to me, Mike, but apparently made quite an impression uh, upon you.
0: She didn't stand out to you? Come on, take a look. My goodness. Watching the wrestling. We'll see her get involved a little later on. Anyway, Mark Lewin... Versus Terry Funk, yes, it is happening right now on television, and the announcers are ecstatic because, you know, usually you're dealing with the likes of Eddie Dice.
1: <laughs> From Germany.
0: Yes, in a match like this, come on. So we find out in the course of this, uh, the beginning of this match, that Terry Funk is a liar. Because we, you know, if you're just watching this as we are, just uh, sight unseen, just coming into this out of nowhere... You might think Terry Funk is the baby face, and he's talking about how Mark Lewin is saying all these negative things about Detroit, but we find out that Terry Funk is just lying about this, and Lewin has never said anything negative about the people of Detroit.
1: Well, Terry Funk is a no-good lying piece of shit. Apparently so. So I will say, I will say this: so watching uh, some of the other fellas of this era on this show, and some of the other things we've watched, and some of the other things I've watched over the years, listening to Terry Funk's promos, watching Terry Funk work and sell, uh, Terry Funk is a guy who who could have gone over it in any era. Like if Terry Funk prime was today, he'd he'd be a top guy. I, I I firmly believe that.
0: I mean, he did well just about everywhere too.
1: Yeah, he's he's incredible. Again, watching this, I mean. Guys don't cut pro. You watch some of the other promos on some of these territory things that we've watched and uh, I mean Terry Funk is just unbelievable on the mic and the- and then just the way he worked it was he, he he moved and worked unlike like anybody else. The way he sold, like he's selling his ass off in this match. Like it was it was incredible. There was some like well, I'm, I'm stealing your thunder a little bit because the calling of the moves is your thing. But at one point, like Mark Lewin like takes his arm, and, like puts him like in a uh, like in a some sort of like arm bar, and he does like this just tremendous like face bump off of it. It was fantastic.
0: Yeah, Funk was uh, really selling his ass off because Mark Lewin is going to work on the arm the entire beginning of this matchup. We're not really sure what the bitterness is between these two guys, but it's referred to numerous times that they have bad blood between them. And Terry Funk did make a reference to his brother, Dory Funk Jr., but I'm not quite sure what the actual issue is. And with Terry Funk, we see the first knee pad of the match, Brian. (laughs) I guess knee pads in the 70s weren't really a thing, but it's still only one knee pad. He had one knee pad on.
1: This might have been, by the way, the greatest armbar match I've ever seen in my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it was a struggle the entire way, right?
1: Yeah, it really, you know, this really was like a. I, I enjoyed this. Like of all the things on this show, this may have, you know, maybe the only thing I enjoyed on the entire thing.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, you know, just take him down and wait it out. It was active selling. Active selling.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, again, I can't. I can't say enough good things about uh, Terry Funk. I mean, I guess most of my exposure to Terry Funk is, you know, very later on Terry Funk, and and seeing him here makes me want to go. Like, I, like I, legitimately want to go and like just pull Terry Funk matches and watch them like all day.
0: Yeah, it's he's really amazing, and you can see it I mean, even from back then and before this. He was actually, this is after his run as NWA World Champion, as we'll find out in a few moments, but the announcers sell that this match happened without a match contract because, you know, obviously it was just made in the moment, and as so, there is no money to be had by either party. There's no insurance for these competitors to be competing in this match. Therefore, they are in violation, Brian, of the National Wrestling Alliance, so this is a big deal.
1: Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's keep that in our back pocket too when we talk about uh, uh, another match on the show. But they really make a big deal that there's no contract for this match, and how could it even go on?
0: But uh, we're bringing it to you anyway, folks, on Big Time Wrestling. So the arm is continued to be worked on by Mark Lewin until, of course. Terry Funk uses the hair to finally toss Lewin from the ring and get him off his arm. And that's the story. I mean, that's the age old story. The babyface is the better wrestler, a better man, so the evil heel has to cheat to get the upper hand. It's like a tale as old as time, Brian.
1: Yeah, I mean it's and it's well it's well done. The fans are eating it up too. Like I Jesus, I really enjoyed this. This is a fun match. This is a really, uh, really fun match. The only thing that's weird a couple times is your precious referee here. Um, Funk got to, would get to like the ropes, and Mark Lewin would just like pull Funk off and not have to break the hold. What's up with that, Mike?
0: Well, you know, you want to keep in favor of the people.
1: Uh, yeah, there you go. Pandering to the freaking crowd. Why don't you go sell some 8x10s, you jerk-off?
0: <laughs> well, uh, this match doesn't go on for long, Brian, because Terry Funk is on the apron – Lewin is on the ground outside, and Funk is stomping down on Lewin, and the ref calls for the bell. It is the world's fastest countout.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, this is your ref. This is your guy.
0: They are brawling on the outside at this point. The match is thrown out, and the Buffon lady grabs her massive white purse and runs for the hills. (laughs) You're not going to ruin her hair, dude. She just came from the salon, Brian.
1: Oh, boy.
0: So Terry Funk gets a piece of chair from the outside, goes after Lewin back in the ring, but as they're climbing in the ring, Lewin grabs it from Funk's hands, hits him a couple times in the head, and you see Funk go down. I think he pulls the gig out of his mouth, which I can never figure that one out, keeping a razor in your mouth. How does that work?
1: I, I, you're asking the wrong guy, buddy. You you're a wrestler. Come guy. on. It's terrifying to think about. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, was it in there the whole time? Did it, he at some point? He, maybe he grabbed it when he was on the floor and put it in his mouth. I don't know.
1: I, I I don't know either. But the thought of like having a little razor blade in my mouth, um, like I get like queasy thinking about it.
0: Yeah. So Terry Funk gets color, which I'm assuming is not a normal thing here on Saturday morning TV. Uh, so Mark Lewin ends up getting the sleeper on Funk, which is apparently a big deal because. You know, Chuck goes bananas. So Walter Johnson hits the ring. A big guy in a football jersey, and he's got these tremendous bell bottoms that are all like patchwork and stuff like that. So he's looking like a million dollars. And apparently he's a Cincinnati Bengal, he's a former Cleveland Brown, they say. And he hits Mark Lewin in the head with the blackjack. And now Lewin's got juice. So we got double juice here on uh, television. The kids are loving it out there.
1: Oh while little John, Yeah, little Johnny's eating his uh, Cheerios.
0: Yes. So we got this whole scene going down, and we have to go to break. We must go to break.
1: Hold on. I, I got I to gotta say, like I, <laughs> like, I knew it was a piece of a chair, but I, like... I kind of like like was taking notes on my phone, and I looked up and at, towards the end of this, I was like, "Does he have a fucking sickle? Like, what is going on here?" I, I, I thought I thought Terry Funk had gotten a sickle and was going to try to murder Mark Lewin.
0: It wouldn't surprise me, <laughs> just with with Terry Funk being Terry Funk. So we come back from the break, and the other wrestlers are trying to get Lewin out of the ring. And did you notice that one guy? What he was the blue, doing? The blue
1: tracksuit guy. Yes. He's like like it. he punches Lewin, right?
0: Yes, there's like a, a balding guy in black room glasses in that blue tracksuit, like very reminiscent of Brian Fury, tracksuit guy on the wrestling show. He just as they're trying to pull Lewin from the ring, he just like throws a work punch at Lewin. There's a, a group of wrestlers carrying him on. Everyone just silently agrees to no-sell the entire thing.
1: Yeah, it was so so bizarre! I don't know if this guy was going into business for himself, or, or it must what, have been. Like, I was like, I had, to, I was like, wait, what did I just see there? Was that like a fan? Was that another wrestler? Like, what the hell was that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I rewinded myself, and he's just he throws the punch, and everyone just decides, okay, this didn't happen.
1: And <laughs> we're gonna go to Big Red.
0: <laughs> yes, we are. So there are audio issues that are continuing here. We barely hear the commentary coming back, and Danny Fargo, the little blonde guy who is going to wrestle Mark Lewin, has returned and he's finally gonna get his match, but now it is yes, with Big Red Brian.
1: Alright, so th- this is where this is where I'm calling shenanigans, Mike. They make such a big deal about having to have contracts and, and there's no money in this and what the hell's going on. When did Big Red and, and uh, Vargo, who were both supposed to wrestle different people, sign a damn contract? Well,
0: they were wheeling and dealing backstage, Brian, during the break. Oh, for
1: Christ's sake. All the officials were out dealing with this mayhem that was going on with Funk and Lewin.
0: They were on the horn to the National Wrestling Alliance, Brian. This is
1: they bogus. Didn- this, is bogus. There's, uh, this is, you know, something's not right here. Something smells fishy. Uh, this is not on the up and up. I'm, I'm very upset.
0: Wow. Well, uh, okay. Well, maybe they didn't get paid for this, Brian, but they had the match, Danny Fargo and Big Red. Big Red is an African-American gentleman in overalls.
1: So What a a strut he has, Mike.
0: He has a swagger to him. Um, So as this match begins, they're talking about why they're in the cage, the announcers. The announcers, yes. If you're just joining us, the announcers are sitting in a cage. And they try to say, they don't really say anything, but they say it's a new cage, a new construction. And if any part of your body hits this, Terry Sullivan says, you're going to feel it times three. Because it's brand new. And he says, you fans are going to see be seeing action in this cage at some magical point in the future. Never really says anything about when. <laughs> but anyway, that's the big reveal of why they're in the cage.
1: Stick around to the end of the show.
0: Fargo starts punching Big Red in the corner, but Big Red starts shuffling, sends him across the ring into the turnbuckle. Then our boy Big Red attempts to ride Danny Fargo like a horse.
1: Wait, my, you're skipping something here. What did I miss? You're skipping the tremendous attempt of Big Red to put an arm bar on Danny Fargo and the struggle to figure out how to lock it in. Entertainment. Uh, he he gives that tremendous arm drag and then spends four and a half minutes trying to figure out how to lock in an arm bar. Sorry, I, I just I had that note, and I, I, I really enjoyed that part of the match. I was laughing hysterically.
0: Yeah, Big Red, uh, not the most able-bodied wrestler, I would say.
1: (laughs) No, no, he's not. Well, at
0: least he's, you know, he's a big guy. He's a hillbilly. He's just supposed to be out there having fun. But uh, Big Red, as I mentioned, tries to ride him like a horse, but Danny Fargo collapses under the weight, and Big Red is just on all fours over him, not doing much. I don't know if he's just looking for a submission due to smothering. He's tired. (laughs) (laughs) Probably is. So uh, finally... Big Red lets Danny up and gives him a big body slam and the most god awful leg drop I've ever seen, bar none.
1: Have we have we gotten to the have we missed the headlock takeover yet, or was that coming up? Because. That needs to be mentioned as well, the headlock takeover attempt by Big Red. Big Red trying some traditional wrestling stuff here, not going well for him. Uh, headlock takeover is kind of supposed to be like you grab the guy, you you pivot your kind of ass and hip and, and like pop him up over it and into the mat. Big Red sort of just went down to his big fat belly and kind of rolled the guy over and on the top of his head and then laid on him.
0: Yes, just hoping that Danny Fraga would follow as he just <laughs> claps to the canvas.
1: Good stuff. Good, good uh, catch-a-s-catch-can wrestling. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so let's talk about this terrible leg drop, Brian. Of course, he he claps at the same time he's doing the leg drop. I don't know you if gotta- that is for effect. He ends up like falling down straight like a plank rather than down on his ass, <laughs> and it looks brutal. Have I mentioned it's a terrible leg drop? <laughs> Once or twice. So, yeah, Big Red is basically bad red. He stinks. He's terrible.
1: <laughs> I'm sure the OVP guys would call him Big Fat Red.
0: I'm sure. So he hits a headbutt. Big Red does. Followed by, I don't know if it's as terrible a move, but it is a weak ass splash.
1: It, it was pretty terrible.
0: Barely gets off the mat. And then we go for the count, Brian. Your favorite and mine, referee Al Thomas, goes down, slaps the mat once, and then indicates one with his finger. (laughs) Then slaps the mat two, and indicates two with two fingers. Then he hits three, and just to be sure we're all on the same page, lifts three fingers as the bell rings.
1: (laughs) Well, very deliberate. (laughs)
0: <laughs> more deliberate than anything I've ever seen. Literally, I mean... That's how
1: you build up the drama, you know?
0: Yes. It's at least a six count. It's, you know, he's blowing King Kong Bundy away, Big Red is, with his pins.
1: Well, no, that's just your terrible ref that you love so much from the first match.
0: He just wants everyone to know where he is in the count,
1: Brian. <sighs> this fucking guy.
0: <laughs> so, from there, Kingpin, Terry Funk and Walter Johnson come to ringside for an interview... And of course, the mic is off, and it takes a few seconds for them to fire it up.
1: Yes, and now we get one of the most awkward things I think I've ever, I've ever seen on a pro wrestling show, and this one is full of awkward things. You're talking about the fan questions? I sure am. <laughs> I thought so. They're kind of talking in the beginning, and the, there's the, the first fella who ends up asking a question who, who does get identified as a fan, but I see him in his in his glasses and his blue shirt, and I'm just like. Who the fuck is this guy hanging out in the background? Is he going to do like a run in here? Like, what's the deal? I'll
0: tell you who he is, Brian. He is, have you seen Boogie Nights?
1: Yes. Many years ago, but yes.
0: He is the physical embodiment of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. (laughs) With a short t-shirt, two (laughs) sizes too small. His name is Scott Head, he says. And he asks, if Terry Funk is so good, why did he lose the world title to Harley Race? So, Terry Funk immediately points to this guy's belly, poking out from his shirt, and calls him Fatso.
1: <laughs>
0: so, Terry Funk's still Terry Funk in 1978. Uh, he challenges this guy to fight him at Cobo Hall, and if he beats him, he'll give him $5,000. That's about it for Scott Head, who kind of uh, scurries away. But what a. I mean, this guy should be something in wrestling.
1: What a terrible concept here, because this fool like, like gets to insult Terry Funk, who's supposed to be obviously a top heel in the territory, and there's it's a no win situation for the the heel wrestler. Like you can't get any heat back on the guy.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird the way they do this. He just walks right up to him. He's right there,
1: right in his face.
0: Yeah, and and Farrah Funk tries to get in his face and challenge him and make the guy look bad for not accepting the challenge, but. It is an awkward situation, a lot of awkwardness on this episode of Big Time Wrestling.
1: Nothing nothing more awkward than Walter Johnson trying to cut a promo, though.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. Rodney, our friend Rodney, gets to ask Walter Johnson a question, and he asks him why he left football for wrestling, and Walter says that he had a contract dispute with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he says, wrestling is tougher than football. And he wants to show everyone how tough he is. So he is taking the season off and exclusively wrestling for big-time wrestling in Detroit.
1: And thank you for, uh, for tightening that up for us, Mike, because uh, Walter Johnson could not articulate that quite as well as you were just able to. He, uh, he stammered and stammered and tripped all over himself just to, just to basically say what you said, which is really not all that much.
0: Yeah, and is Walter Johnson like a thing in football? Does anyone uh, know I've, who that is?
1: I've never heard of him, no. No? Have, okay. there, there's a Walter Johnson baseball player who's a Hall of Fame pitcher but uh, Walter Johnson the football player not familiar with Just I'm, I'm, I'm less familiar with his football career than I am his wrestling career which I was completely unaware of
0: <laughs> so Terry Funk kind of steps in from there and tells Walter that Mark Lewin is a bigot and a jerk <laughs> uh,
1: this, this is where I wrote at the end of this segment Terry Funk is money like uh, he... He saved this episode a little bit because without him, um, you know, there, there, there's more weirdness to come here, folks. Like, so stay tuned as we talk through the rest of this episode. But Terry uh, Funk is is fucking awesome.
0: He is fantastic, and he kind of I think what the deal is here is that it's kind of weird. Like Walter Johnson he's a football player, he's a a celebrity, I, I suppose, um, but he is. A heel, essentially, and I think the deal here is that Terry Funk is kind of brainwashing this guy into thinking that Mark Lewin is a bad guy, but he, you know, as, we, as it turns out, Mark Lewin isn't really a bad guy, so it's kind of a weird dynamic for this guy, Walter Johnson, who's obviously, as we're going to see in a moment, not experienced in wrestling in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> we'll get into it in a second but i think that's the deal is that walter johnson doesn't know any better and he's you know taking advice from terry funk who's just steering him in the wrong
1: direction right i guess uh, yeah sure if you get all that from from, from this uh, then sure
0: all right so walter johnson next up in the ring taking on boston's own mike wayne
1: yeah is this a kowalski guy mike wayne
0: Oh, I don't know, but uh, I wouldn't want to claim him if I was Walter.
1: <laughs> Two legends of the ring in this match: Walter Johnson versus Mike Wayne.
0: <laughs> so we talked about lockups earlier, Brian, and Walter Johnson's lockup told us a lot, didn't it?
1: It <laughs> uh, would have told me uh, to immediately get myself disqualified and leave the ring.
0: Yeah, he, he just doesn't know collar and elbow. He, like the the elbow arm was on his like shoulder there was no collar and obel to be had
1: yeah he uh you know he should have as far as a professional wrestler goes he should have stuck with football
0: well there's one thing smart about this is that it was kept really short
1: it sure was and thank christ that it was that it was kept really short and we were treated to yet another horrendous splash for a finish
0: it was better than the guy who's a wrestler though big red
1: yeah it's a sliding scale though
0: yeah, so he hits the, like a football style tackle, as all football players uh, are liable to do, and he hits that splash, and then we get the Al Thomas show me one two three. Walter Johnson goes over. We go to commercial and come back to the announce desk, still behind bars, and they tell us we're going to see some M Pro Wrestling, Brian.
1: Yeah, I didn't know what they were talking about at first. I thought I thought it was maybe like another, um, like local regional promotion that they were going to show us a match from
0: well it is some regional wrestling that we're going to see here brian from michigan state university literally this is college wrestling they're showing us amateur wrestling yep sure is yes
1: so i I thought for sure like this is coming on and 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 like you know, and, and you could describe what you're you're watching of it too. But I was like, oh, okay, this is this is a bit weird. But uh, okay, what's the what's the payoff going to be? There must be there must be something coming here. There must be you know. I, I don't what's know, the what catch? I, it, yeah, yeah, an angle of some sort. And watching it for a minute, and two minutes, and three minutes, and four minutes, and I'm just like, finally, I made. I actually made the note in my. Why the fuck are we watching amateur wrestling? This is a pro wrestling show. Literally almost 10 minutes
0: of amateur wrestling on this pro wrestling show. Not highlights, not clips, the entire excruciating thing.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. And for no reason. It's not like this was like even like somebody's kid or something, or, or like or this person was coming to you know NWA Detroit or whatever. We just fucking watched amateur wrestling for ten minutes in the middle of a pro wrestling program. Well, I didn't watch it for ten minutes. Halfway through, I was like, okay, this is nothing. I'm just gonna fast forward through this.
0: Well, and it's two sophomores too. It's not even guys that are like just about to go out and could possibly come into big-time wrestling. Uh, One of them is Jeff Thomas, who ends up winning this thing. And maybe that is the son of referee Al Thomas? Maybe? Maybe that's the reason?
1: I don't know. It's the only thing I can come up with. This is fucking terrible. Like, I I don't understand. I was so confused.
0: And I think the announcers were confused, too, because it ends rather nonchalantly. The announcers are just yapping about something, and they're just like, oh, hey, we have a winner wow okay <laughs> that's what happens
1: I, I don't know i i came back and the announcers were back i i fast forwarded to the, la- the last half of this i was like i'm not watching amateur wrestling sorry i mean sorry to any of the actual amateur wrestlers out there but that shit's boring <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's dog shit
1: so it's, it's funny as a, as a pro wrestler and i don't as a referee i don't think you i don't know maybe you've gotten it over the years but uh Ah, oh, did you wrestle in high school? And my response always wants to be, no, that shit's stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Terry Sullivan here, the announcer, says 99% of pros came from the amateur ranks.
1: Well, not me. You know why? Well, one, I was too fat. But <laughs> like <in laughs> Don't high
0: have school- a 300-pound uh, weight division?
1: No, like you had to be under, I think like you had to be under like 230 or something. And like, even in high school, I was like, you know, I was like 250, 260, um, you know, as even like as like a freshman, sophomore,
0: oh, you can diet it down. No,
1: no, I'm not no. doing that. Not for something like that. I mean, again, it's people find out you like pro wrestling. Oh, you should go up for the wrestling team. It's nothing. They're different. They're not even the same thing. They're not in the same stratosphere. They're literally completely different. They're nothing has. They have nothing to do with each other.
0: No ropes.
1: Yeah. Can I throw a punch? You know? Can I get? You know? Like no. Okay. Then let's move on.
0: And let's move on, indeed, Brian. We're back from the break, and it's championship action, as they say. A tag team match, the main event of this week's big time wrestling as Dory Funk Jr. Yes. And The Sheik, the owner of the promotion, accompanied by the Palestinian brain, Eddie Creechman, which (laughs) that just rolls off the tongue. The Palestinian (laughs) brain.
1: Eddie Creechman.
0: Yes, and we are aware of the Creechmans, I think, from international wrestling. when We talked about out of Montreal. They're both guys, uh, Eddie Creechman and apparently his son, Floyd Creechman, who is managing on the other side. He's managing Stan the Stasiak and Bulldog Don Kent. So it's Creechman versus Creechman, and both these guys are from Montreal, and we saw at least one of them in international wrestling when we did that a few months back.
1: Mike, this, this is, has been described by these commentators as – the match of matches, the match of
0: matches, it sure is, and it's not much of a match, Brian.
1: It's really, it's really not. But uh, here's a weird thing. So I, I, I couldn't figure out for the life of me at first. I'm like, wait, is this like, is this all heels? Because they both clearly have heel managers, and like you're thinking, like Terry Funk was a heel, so does Doria a heel? And then it's the, it's the Sheik, and clearly, you know, uh, Bulldog Kent and and Stan Stasiak are heels. Like I was like, is this all heels?
0: no uh, she got a huge baby face pop when he came out
1: <laughs> he did he did and then later on in the match too and that's when i was kind of figuring like uh but you know at, at that first pop i couldn't figure out like oh is this just because like it's recognizable names or whatever or what or, you know whatever the deal is because they just you know i don't know what the studio audience was doing while we were watching amateur wrestling but i'd probably pop for a uh, for whoever came out next
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know what they would be doing right there's no monitors obviously at this time they're not showing this on this big Screen, Maybe they sent them match out there. I would think they would for 10 minutes. Geez, they're not going to have people sitting there for 10 minutes doing nothing.
1: You're giving them entirely too much credit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Bulldog Kent. Bulldog Don Kent. And we were aware of ter- of Dory Funk Jr. We We're aware of The Sheik and Stan Stasiak, former WWF champion. But Bulldog Kent, I wasn't aware of. And this guy, this, this physique, he's uh, sh- much shorter than all the other guys. And he, he has that hair.
1: Yeah, he looked like the Jabronis from the earlier matches.
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah. He kinda of, like he kinda of reminded me of Arnold Skolant with his hair, you know, all greased and the big part in the hair. Kind of a short, pudgy guy. I guess he was something in Detroit, but uh didn't really branch out after that. So anyway, we, we find out that the Sheik and Stan Stasiak will be meeting in a cage. So maybe all that's right. I guess that's the reason the cage is there.
1: That's and the it's reason. gonna
0: happen at some point, they never really tell us. <laughs>
1: hey mike were the were the funk brothers born in their 40s by the way jesus probably these guys, these guys were literally never young like ever terry funk looks 47 dory funk looks 68 here
0: like. <laughs> he's losing a little hair on top
1: They they were just constantly old men like were they ever young that's what i want to know
0: I would be uh, hard-pressed to find photos. Of- I
1: thought in 1978 we might get young, younger, I guess, funk brothers, and we really don't. I think Dory Funk looks exactly the same in 2019 as he does in 1978.
0: Well, a few less strands of hair these days. <laughs> so, yeah, as you mentioned, The chic, a major babyface here. Dory Funk is with him, uh, just kind of, I mean, Dory Funk, boring funk is more like it, right, Brian?
1: <laughs> you said it, not me. Hey, hey, Mike, how much would you pay for a, for a ringside seat for this matchup?
0: At least $25. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's what the commentator proclaimed. He would pay $25 for a ringside seat. I did the, uh, you know, not the math. I just kind of Google searched it and looked it up. That would be $96.28 today. It's a big ticket. Uh, I mean, that's like for like a big uh, event. That's probably like you're sitting in the loge, maybe. Like I, I know for a G1 Supercard, Uh, That was probably like a balcony seat.
0: I mean, I think like, you know, back in these days, you know, five, eight and ten dollars might be the ticket structure in terms of pricing. So 25 bucks, that's a big deal.
1: (laughs) If you say so, buddy.
0: All right, uh, Mega Bucks. Uh, so
1: <laughs> it's a Mega Malonis, actually. Thank you. Oh, excuse me.
0: So this thing breaks down really quick. All four are battling. Sheikh and Stasiak end up down uh, by the announcer's cage. Stasiak ends up barricading himself inside the cage, and Sheikh is trying to get in, but he's pretty easily moving the cage around. It doesn't really seem because
1: it's not bolted to anything.
0: No, no. So it looks like he could probably like flip it up and just get inside. <laughs>
1: You know, I'd seen, I think, either a clip or a picture before from this particular match with the Sheik standing on the cage with the desk and the commentators and Stan Stasek in the cage. Like I, when, when this happened, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Really? This is a famous moment? I don't know if it's a famous moment, but I've seen it before. Somebody like sent it to me as like, what the, I think it was a picture. Like, what the hell is this? Like, why is somebody in a cage with guys in a desk like, in a cage?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, as you said, Sheik tries to climb up to the top of the cage to get in. He's got a chair with him and he's holding the chair and Stasiak is kind of cowering a little bit. He throws the chair down and Stasiak bats it away. And it's at this point I realize that the announcers are still in the cage.
1: (laughs) They most certainly are.
0: (laughs) They're just kind of like got their backs pressed up against the cage and just in there kind of taking in all the sights and sounds as the Sheik and Stasiak are throwing chairs back and forth finally the sheik gets in the cage with another chair and he and stasiak come to blows in this reinforced as we're told but you know use your eyes and find out that it's just like nothing they're inside this steel cage as chuck and Cherry are kind of just hanging out to the back of the cage and chuck waves rather gleefully to the camera and says we're out of here folks see you next week on professional big time wrestling so, yeah, that's how we go off the air with Big Time Wrestling, October of 1978, with a happy Chuck Callan trapped in the cage with the Sheik and Stan Stasiak.
1: <laughs> yeah, the little the little wave just really it put me over the top like I was, I don't know, it just hit me in the right spot when he did the little wave.
0: And so, yes, it's kind of a good tease. I mean, we get kind of the reason this cage is here in the first place, because the there's a cage match coming up at an undetermined time in an undetermined location, but uh, Stasiak versus the Sheik, it's going to be happening sooner rather than later, and yeah, this is a good tease of that as we close the show.
1: Yes, uh, even though we don't know when or where to buy tickets for.
0: No, even at this whole time, there's no mention of any, maybe they cut this out, but it seems like this is taped directly from the Masters, there's black spots where the commercials are supposed to be, there's no... Pushing of a house show at all in the show. No, you know, talking about tickets or whatever else. It was just a straight television product.
1: Yeah, it was something, Mike. It was there.
0: It was something. And let's, before we move on here, Kingpin, I think we've kind of screwed up here because I think we should be rating these things as we go through. I mean, we've done, this is, I think, the fourth one, and we haven't talked about where we rank these things. Let's figure out where this falls. I guess we'd do like A, B, C, D, F, maybe. What do you think about big time wrestling just based on this one television show?
1: <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh well, this is tough because I mean we've watched other things, and I mean it's not. Uh, I, I don't think it's the worst thing we've watched. I will I will say that. So yeah,
0: I mean th- Funk and Lewin, come on.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll give it a C minus. Uh, with Terry Funk and Mark Lewin saving, especially Terry Funk saving quite a bit of it.
0: I mean, I'll give it a straight C. The, the thing at the end it was short, but uh, I think effective in getting over what's I like, supposedly coming up in big time wrestling. And yeah, like you said, Mark Lewin and uh, Terry Funk was an excellent exchange uh, for as short as that was. But I mean, there is some somewhat offensive wrestling in a couple spots, but. I mean I kind of enjoyed the show overall. Um I C might even be low for me, but I'll I'll give it a C uh for big time wrestling. Is there anything that's been better than this that we've seen so far?
1: Um oh man. I'm trying to think. We we watched WWF from the I mean maybe that that might be the the best thing we've watched uh so far just cuz I think there was a little it was a little a little bit better produced than some of the other things we've watched.
0: Uh, i don't know i I think this might be number one for me so far
1: really interesting
0: yeah now i'm kind of regretting giving it a c maybe i should give it a b minus but uh,
1: oh boy you gotta you gotta one-up me all the time here
0: <laughs> is it like uh the pizza reviews on barstool where you can't once you say it, you can't change it
1: I don't, I don't know I i mean you threw this on me last second here so you know
0: All right, B-minus. B-minus it is. Do
1: what you want, Mike.
0: (laughs) B-minus it is for big-time wrestling, and we will, uh, next month, the first week of the month, we will head somewhere else as we continue trucking through the territories. All right, we want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode. Your thoughts on our discussion are trucking through the territories. Use the hashtag WPAN, or you can call the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-9726 it for WPAN. And before we move on, let's talk about Booking the Territory with Mike Mills, Higher Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week on Sundays, the Smoky Mountain Show. On Thursdays, it is the Old School NWA Saturday Night Show. Uh, MikeMills.Podbean.com for all of that old school wrestling goodness over there on Booking the Territory. And another old school podcast we fully endorse is our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Little Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. podcast.com for more they're closing out their current season uh they're talking about the best and worst wrestlemanias what's your favorite wrestlemania of all time brian
1: boy that's a toughie. uh nine mike no <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be probably like like 17 i guess
0: i think a lot of people say that one brian uh 17 i don't even really remember what was on 17 besides was the rock and austin right
1: uh yeah rock and austin i, I think i stopped keeping track after six because <laughs> because part of me died that night brian Oh, as you know
0: full well <laughs> yes okay greetings from allentown brian with pw peter Winson. he is a single man doing a single episode of wrestling television each and every week and he brings his own thoughts and prayers i guess to the uh to the forefront greetings from allentown check that out on the pro Us and only feed on Place to Be Nation or his own feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Sal, Troy, all the other guys over there on the Rundown Wrestling Network. So many shows over there. Check out rundownwrestling.com for more details and enjoy. Brian, it's time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways and airways. Crisscrossing this good nation of ours, plying your trade as a pro professional wrestler and I mean it's been a few weeks but you got dates?
1: I do, Mike. Well, it's you know, it's basically the uh, airways at this point because this weekend I'll be heading off to uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan on Saturday night the 11th for a Ring of Honor's War of the Worlds tour, Mike, and this one will be streaming live on Honor Club uh, on Saturday night. And it's going to be the Bouncers versus Sonata and Evil of LIJ. How about that match? Nice. Huh? Doing big things, <laughs> Mike. The very next day will be Ring of Honor's international TV taping uh, in Chicago. Uh, and it'll be also the final stop of the War of the Worlds tour. Uh, so that one will be able, will be seen over the coming weeks on Ring of Honor television. Uh, tickets, I believe, are still available for both events if you're in the areas. If not, like I said, Saturday night will be streamed uh, live on Honor Club. So head over to RHWrestling.com for uh, full information on that. Then, Mike, the Saturday night, the 18th, I'll be heading to uh, Milwaukee uh, for Brew City uh, Wrestling. Actually, I think we established how to say this, Waukesha, Wisconsin, uh, Uh on Saturday night, the 18th. I'll be teaming with the Bruiser. I don't know uh, who we'll be facing yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll be an exciting matchup, and I'm I'm very excited.
0: Brian, make sure you sign the contract beforehand.
1: (laughs) Yes, I don't want to. Don't just
0: go out there willy-nilly.
1: I don't wanna upset the NWA, that's for sure. Billy Corgan yes. would be very upset if uh, you know, we, we <laughs> wrestle without a contract. And then, Mike, uh, at the uh, beginning of June, June 1st to be exact, I'll be heading to Kent, Washington, which is right outside Seattle. Uh, And this is Ring of Honor's state-of-the-art tour, Uh, Ring of Honor's first trip to the Pacific Northwest. These events will be streaming uh, on Honor Club. It'll be a little late uh, back home, I believe. But uh, Ring of Honor is heading to Kent, Washington on Saturday night, June the 1st, and then Sunday night, June the 2nd, uh, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Very excited to head to the Pacific Northwest. These are going to be long flights, buddy. Longest flights I've ever been on. So uh, how about that?
0: Wow. you never been out west?
1: I have, but I've always had connections.
0: Ah,
1: I yeah. see. So I got direct flights, baby. Living that lifestyle.
0: First class all
1: the way. Well, maybe not first class, but <laughs> you know. All right, is that it, Kingpin? Yeah, we'll stop there. We'll stop there. We're running long today.
0: All right. Well, if you want to book the Kingpin in the future, email Brian brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Kingpin. Brian Malonis. Brian, this week's promo about nothing comes from the year 1986. And I'm kind of cheating a little bit here, Brian, because basically all this stuff was terrible. But we're going to look at Glow, the original gorgeous ladies of wrestling television show from the 80s. And we're going to hear from a few of the stars of Glow, ending with a very special star. For some reason, she was a thing in the 80s. The mother of Sylvester Stallone, Jackie Stallone. We're going to hear from her in more ways than you'd ever want to hear from Jackie Stallone. This is this week's promo about nothing.
1: The cheerleaders are wrestling the headhunters today. We're not too sure about this tag team. They seem pretty crazy to us. I'm sure it's perfectly safe.
0: The Southern Bells are so afraid of us when I cook them, we'll have southern fried tickets. I want Matilda the Hun. She's the timber, but I'm the axe. And I'm going to chop her down and send her to the sawmill where she belongs. I wrestled all over the world, and now I will win this match. I will show who is the only giant in the ring. He said, that's right, Fritz. From the Riviera Hotel in the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, David McClain Enterprises and the Independent Network present the fun, action-packed show, GLOW! On today's card, see Mrs. Jacqueline Stallone. Matilda is nasty, violent, and ugly. And those are her good points. I'm Mama alone. Listen to me sing. My girls are champions in the ring. Nice. They're on the go. They never stop. That's why they're headed for the top. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So is this your first experience with Glow, Brian?
1: No, I mean, I've seen other other clips before. My first experience with uh, Mama Stallone, though.
0: My, yes, Mama Stallone, as she is known, apparently. Uh, first of all, though, before we even get to that, we have the promos from other people heading into that. Matilda the Hun, does she have one of those like fake teeth things in? The way her mouth is, it looks like, like she has fake teeth.
1: I, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think so, but uh, that's quite a dead fox she had, though.
0: Fritz. Fritz, the name of the... Uh ferret on her arm i don't know if it's a reference to <laughs> fritz von eric probably not but anyway <laughs> let's get right to the main event brian jacqueline mama stallone yeah. has something uh very amazing to say first of all all this stuff uh, obviously scripted and delivered with not a lot of passion matilda the hun has all of these terrible things about her and those are her good points
1: Yes, boy, boy can Mama Stallone sing, by the way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's not one of her good points, is it?
1: <laughs> I mean, right on key, uh, you know, sticking along with with the the very complicated uh, beat that they have there for them. Uh, you know, I just can't say enough good things about about this little rap she does.
0: Yeah, how about a couple of cuts, there, uh, editor, to maybe make this kind of fit with the, but it just uh, it just. Goes off the rails from note one.
1: <laughs> yeah, why is why I tell you what? You, you, I mean, had I not known this was uh, Sylvester Stallone's mom, I would have said like, "Wow, this lady looks a lot like Sylvester Stallone." Oh, really? <laughs> you don't think so? Looks like I mean, yeah. Looks like Rocky and Drag.
0: <laughs> so yes, uh, Mama Stallone, not much of a singer or a rapper, um, but she. Seems to gain some confidence by the women around to her who are dancing and really putting her over because <laughs> at one point she's like, that's right, that's right. Do a little ad-libbing there is Monster Lone.
1: There's so many times uh, in, in not, not only, um, you know, our promo about nothings, but just in wrestling in general where you just ask the question,
0: why? Why <laughs> is she here? It's name value, Brian. Star power.
1: Yes. <laughs> what year is eighty six? So Sylvester Stallone's mom was a thing in nineteen eighty six.
0: Yeah, I think I think Aunt Beyond she was like a psychic medium as well. She did a bunch of things. I remember seeing her on like talk shows and stuff like that. Yeah, she was. She got herself out there
1: in the eighties. She pop up in season three of Glow. You think on Netflix?
0: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a Jackie Stallone type to come in and uh, do something but i don't think i think no Jackie is still alive i, sh- but, I sure hope uh,
1: they they uh they cover this in the uh in that series
0: i would really hope so at least find someone to do a nice rap oof
1: <laughs> oh brother <laughs> oh
0: brother indeed well you heard this promo but nothing if you want the full picture find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the wpan.com before we get out of here, I just want to remind you about the survey, the WPAN survey. Let us know what you think about the podcast and what you want to see improved about the wrestling podcast about nothing. The address, once again, tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey. Brian, we are out of here. We'll be back next Monday for episode 159 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. Till then, he is the brawler, Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett, big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.